0: As we continue to worship, we're going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word this morning. We're going to spend some time looking at uh, God's promises to us and His blessings. We're going to spend some time looking at uh, 2017 and 2018 as well, as we simply celebrate the fact that God has been faithful through all of it. Uh, As we do so... Um, I hope everyone here had a great Christmas this past week. I will tell you that my Christmas was fantastic. Uh, It's always an incredible blessing to be able to see the excitement on our kids' faces uh, when they get what they're looking for, and even when they don't get what they're looking for, which is very exciting. Sometimes uh, it's as if if they don't get a specific thing, they're not really filled with great joy, Uh, but Christmas is not about the presents we receive under the tree. It is about a Savior that came for us 2,000 plus years ago, and today we celebrate that. Uh, the fact that He came and lived a human life is an incredible blessing, but even more than that, He came and became the sacrifice for our sins, and He was resurrected. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this Christmas season. I hope you also, some of you, bother, I heard a couple of people saying, well, why'd we take down the decorations? It's still Christmas in my house growing up, I think it was the 26th was normally, normally the day to start taking down decorations. So we started already and uh, you see the wreaths are still up there. That's kind of like a compromise and the fact that I forgot to take those down. So... Um, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I've enjoyed it. Uh, Actually, I've enjoyed having my kids home for the holidays, them not being in school. I will enjoy it even more next week when they go back to school. Uh, It has been great to have them around, but it's always nice to get back into our regular routines and our sleep patterns and all of that stuff. Kids will be back to school. They'll be excited about their homework and all of that other good stuff, too. Um, life will take on a sense of normalcy again. Um, Along with getting back to normal, it's that time of year where we are afforded the opportunity to look back over the past while also looking forward to the present. Some will evaluate 2017 and they'll think to themselves that it's everything that they could have asked for. Everything has gone exactly the way they would have hoped that it went. Um, They would kind of like an instant replay for 2018. Others will question whether anything went right in 2017, and they're just hoping that there's something far better in 2018 than there was in 2017. Some don't have a clue what's going on. I fit in that category. Friday night, my wife ordered uh, Domino's Pizza, asked me to go and pick it up. So there I am sitting in front of the Little Caesars trying to get my pizza. And of course, all of a sudden it clicked. Oh, She said dominoes. (laughs) Um, Sometimes we get a little bit lost in all of the busyness and everything else, and we're not really sure if it's been a good year or a bad year, but we know what we want. We want God's blessing in the year moving forward. Regardless of what you have experienced, I want you to know today that 2018 has the potential to be the greatest year ever. But the centerpiece that can make it that, is Jesus Christ. I want to read a passage with you of God's promise to God's people as recorded in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 17 to 21. I'll give you a moment if you want to go ahead and turn to that passage. That's Ezekiel, chapter 11, verses 17 to 21. This will come at a time when Israel had chosen to be unfaithful to God. God's wrath has been promised, and they are already experiencing his punishment. Some individuals that were well-respected and well-loved have already died. As the punishment begins, Ezekiel cries out for God's mercy, pleading for God to rescue those who seek to please God. Listen to God's response beginning in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 17. This is what the Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. The first thing I want you to see in this passage is that there is hope for a better tomorrow. Irrelevant to this discussion is whether or not you carry joy or regret from 2017. It doesn't matter what the past looked like so much as there is a promise that there is a better tomorrow that awaits us. They have reached a point in their particular nation where it seems as though everything is falling apart. There is accountability that is coming upon them, but God is promising greater days ahead. In this case, in our passage, Israel has become a filthy place. The people have become vile in every way. They have allowed false gods to be worshipped there in their midst. Now remember, all the way back to the days of Joshua, as he was taking the Israelites into the promised land, they were given pretty specific instructions. They were not to allow any of the people who had been in the land before them to remain. And it wasn't because God hated those people, but God knew that they brought with them religious practices that did not fit with God's people. In other words, they didn't belong and God was trying to keep his people pure. Well, here we find a nation that has been called anything but pure. They have become filthy. They have begun to worship other gods. They have become brutal even to one another, killing one another in the streets and taking advantage of the weak while celebrating their own prosperity. Some even perceive their evilly obtained prosperity as God's blessing. In other words, If God were really displeased with us, he wouldn't let us be so well off. When in reality, it was their sin that brought these things upon them. Certainly, the weak and oppressed could picture a better tomorrow. But I even wonder if the wealthy and successful could sense a need for some positive changes. By the way, that was a fairly accurate description of what existed in Israel at that point in time but it also could have been used to describe our nation today. We have become vile in every way. We have allowed false gods to be worshipped. We've become brutal to one another, killing one another, and taking advantage of the weak while celebrating prosperity. If you don't believe me, just look at all of the previously respected individuals who have been accused of improper sexual behavior just over this past year. The point is that our society is just as broken today as it was in Israel in the days of Ezekiel. So how do we fix a problem like this? How do we fix a broken nation? How can we see a better 2018 than we saw 2017? The first thing that we must do, is to realize where this hope originates. God is the one who gives this message to Ezekiel, and he is the one who can turn things around for us. In essence, what I'm saying is that in order for 2018 to truly be all that God wants it to be, we must first look to God. In this passage, Ezekiel cries out to the Lord, He realizes that there's nobody else who can save Israel. He even realizes that there is nothing that he can do that will save Israel. Unless God moves, they will all be destroyed. We too must reach a point of desperation where we realize that God is our only hope. You've heard the phrase, when all else fails, try God. Well, we've tried far too many other things already. And it is time for us as a nation to seek the Lord. I'm going to take it a step further. It is time for us as a church to seek the Lord. I think it's so easy for us as a nation and a church to almost hit cruise control. We like having the title of Christian. We are a Christian nation, some would say. Even as individuals, we like the title of Christian. But do we truly seek the Lord with all that we have and all that we are? One of the things that I remember years ago, someone was talking to me about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Jesus talked about disciples being fishers of men, individuals who go out and they are continually trying to reach into the lost lives of others, continually fishing for men. I wonder, are you still a fisherman if you never get around to fishing? I mean, you got all the equipment, you got all the tools, you probably have a net, you got a rod, you got a reel, you got all that. Does that make you a fisherman or do you actually have to fish? We call ourselves Christians. We also ought to act like Christians. We ought to live like Christians. Part of acting and living like Christians is seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. Everyone here has likely heard Matthew six thirty three over and over again where it declares, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, the time has come that we must genuinely seek him. For too many of us, we have sought him, but only as a source of blessing. We ask God to bless our unhealthy, immoral relationships. We ask God to bless our finances in spite of our poor stewardship. We ask God to bless all these things that he's already called sin in our lives. Why would he bless those things? We're seeking him, but just because of what he can give us, not so much because of who he is. The time has come for us to seek the Lord for no other reason except to know him better. When Israel seeks him, They are given the promise, I will gather you. I will bring you back. I will give you back this land. That's actually a great promise for a nation that they knew the prosperity of God. They knew what it was to be blessed by God. And here they are, they're all of a sudden walking outside of the blessing of God. Imagine being one of those who you knew the good old days. You knew the way things used to be when revival was all over everything that was taking place. There was a hunger for God and people were getting saved. People would all of a sudden repent for no reason other than the, they just wanted to be right with God. And Now you look and you see your broken nation. You see other nations coming in and they're, they're winning battles against you. And you realize, man, we're in big trouble. This is nothing like what it was supposed to be. Then God gives them a promise. I will bring you back. And I will give you back this land. Reading this, my mind is drawn back to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Where we read these words. If my people who are called by my name. Will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then. I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Within both of these passages, the one in 2 Chronicles and the one here in Ezekiel, we see the image of a land that was given as a blessing by God. The land is then perverted by sin, and then by God's mercy, He promises to restore the land to its beautiful state. A blessing to God's people. Oh, how we desperately need God to do that today. Our nation is in a point of incredible turmoil. Terrorism has invaded our nation. Sexual immorality is rampant. Even natural disasters seem to occur every single time we turn around. Yet we consider this nation to be blessed by God I want you to know God desires to bless this nation again, but not if we do not seek him. We must seek the Lord. We must go back to doing things the way God desires it to be done. What Ezekiel is saying is that God's people must do more than just add God to the mix of attractions and things to do. Later in verse 19, he'll imply that many have a divided heart partially focused on God and partially focused on whatever it il- whatever else it is that they desire. If we truly intend to serve God with all our hearts, if we truly intend to leave the sinful past behind, then we must destroy the things that encourage sin in our lives. The things that led to a divided heart. What we see is a need for us as a nation to truly develop a repentant heart. In both passages, the one that I just read to you from 2 Chronicles and in Ezekiel here in verse 18, we see that God's people will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. In the passage in 2 Chronicles, it says that they will repent. They will turn from their wicked ways It is time for us to become a nation with a repentant heart. I'm reminded of the story of Elisha. He had been a farmer, yet he recognized the call of God upon his life to serve alongside another one of the prophets named Elijah. Their names are similar. You have Elisha and Elijah. And one day to take the place of Elijah as the prophet of Israel. So we're told in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21, he recognizes this call that God has placed on him. He's been a farmer. That's been his livelihood, his income. What does Elisha do when he recognizes God's plan? It says in verse 21 that Elisha took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. I want you to picture this for a moment. You've got Elisha. He's a farmer, and this is his life, and he is dependent on his oxen. He's dependent on his plow. He needs this equipment. Have you ever tried to do a job without the right equipment? You ever tried to work on your car, and you didn't have the right tools, and you find yourself going back and forth to the, the auto parts store over and over again or to the hardware store to get the right tools? It's very frustrating. You can't do the job without the right tools. So here you have Elisha. He's got the right tools. But God says, I don't want you to use those tools, and I don't want you to do that job. I've got something else bigger for you. I want you to be a prophet. I want you to go with Elijah. You're going to learn from him. You're going to be his assistant, and later on, you will take over the ministry that Elijah has had. You know, it's kind of a scary thing to think that Elisha has this job. Maybe he could just leave his stuff there, and if things don't work out with Elijah, he could just go back whenever he wanted so he could still be a farmer, right? But That's not the approach Elisha takes. He takes his oxen, the, the animals that he is dependent on, and he slaughters them. Then he takes the plow that he used as a part of his business and he burns the plow literally to start the fire to cook the meat of the oxen that he also used. What he's doing is he's eliminating plan B. There is no fallback plan. He's burning it away. He's going to follow God and God's will as God takes care of him. He has destroyed any opportunity of ever returning to his old way of life. Now, don't misunderstand this illustration. I'm not suggesting that your work has been evil and that you should go out and burn down your place of employment this week. Your job is God's opportunity to use you in today's culture. Be a good steward with it. Do everything as if unto the Lord. But what I am saying is that we need to cut off the road to our sinful past. There's a song that I think we've sung here before. It's entitled, I will never be the same again. Listen to the lyrics for a moment. I will never be the same again. I can never return. I've closed the door. I will walk the path, I will run the race, and I will never be the same again. I hope that everyone in here has closed the door on their past. But I fear that many who attend church on a regular basis still have that door cracked open. Just in case things don't work out with God, they've got a fallback plan. God doesn't want us to have a fallback plan. We need to be so committed to this change that we'd be willing to cut off the road to sin. And this introduces us to the idea of making resolutions. You see, there are a lot of people who make resolutions, but they have no plan regarding how to make change really happen. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do all of these great things. But rarely do these resolutions work out as we plan. It's because we really don't plan. I heard one individual say that the weakness of most New Year's resolutions is that they simply go in one year and out the other. Instead of one year, in one year and out the other. Well, maybe there would be more substance to, to such resolutions if we actually put a plan in place to accomplish those resolutions, start by destroying the idols that stood in our way last year. What does that look like in a practical way? Maybe for you, you need to get rid of your cable television, your satellite television. Maybe you need to get rid of your data plan on your cell phone, just to get you off of Facebook. Maybe you need to leave your table at the your tablet at the office so that you're not tempted to play games or look on it for things you're not supposed to be looking at. Maybe you need to work fewer hours this year. Maybe you need to break off an unhealthy relationship. I don't know what it means for you, but I know that you have to put a plan in place if you are to actually see change take place. The next thing that we see in this passage is not only the need for a repentant heart, But today's passage goes on to tell us that we need a new heart. It actually says that I will give you an undivided heart, taking the old heart of stone away and replacing it with a heart of flesh. This image of a heart of stone versus a heart of flesh is referenced often throughout the scriptures. We know that the heart isn't really made of stone. But it does become hardened toward God and his will for us if we allow it to. I'll give you an example of this. Imagine for a moment that there's something that you really don't want to do. But you hear God's voice and you know that he's telling you this is what you need to do. He continually tugs at your heart, continually impressing upon you the need to do it. You know, if you ignore that voice long enough, you'll stop hearing it. You'll stop feeling that tug at your heart because it has become a heart of stone rather than a heart of flesh. No one in here wants a heart of stone. But unfortunately, many who attend church every Sunday have unknowingly taken one on. When the pastor says something that calls us to change, we get offended by it. When the Lord points out hurting people around us We either blame them for their situation or we pass the responsibility off to someone else. There are all kinds of examples of people who develop a heart of stone. And yes, even in the body of Christ. But I like what God does with the heart of stone. He doesn't just simply choose to fix their hearts. He doesn't just tenderize it until it gets just right and then he'll leave it alone. According to our passage, he takes the heart of stone away and he gives us a new one, one that is made of flesh. Now this heart of flesh can be molded and shaped into what God desires it to be. I wonder, do you have a heart of stone or a heart of flesh? King David declared, I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. I would suggest that more, the more we allow God's word into our hearts, the more your heart will become like flesh. So maybe a good resolution for you might be to resolve to spend more time in God's word. And by the way, God's word in and of itself is an incredible blessing to us, but You could read it all day long if you never apply it, it still is just words on a page. But God desires that we would take his word in us and then apply it to our lives. King David knew what it was to spend time in God's word, but you know King David didn't always seek the Lord. There were times that he found himself trapped in sin and it was often because He was not seeking the Lord, even though he could probably quote great passages from the law. Allow God's word to penetrate your heart, to become something of great value. Make an intentional effort, maybe this year, to read God's word. We just had a group that read through the Bible, the entire Bible, in 90 days. Maybe you won't read it that fast, but read it. You say, I I would do it, but I I just don't have the time. There's so many other things going on. I, I don't have the time to read my Bible every single day. Burn one of your idols. You always have time for the things that you really want to do. Maybe you could get up a little bit earlier. Maybe you could turn the television off. Burn an idol and then use that time for God's word. Course, if you're like me, you get distracted too easily. So I found a a free app that challenges me throughout the day to read God's Word. In fact, it's a great tool. Uh, it's it's just it's simply called Go Tandem, and it's a cheesy name. I don't even know what the name is supposed to mean. But what happens is throughout the day I get Little bleeps on my phone. It's not bleeps because that sounds like you said a dirty word and you're trying to cover it up. Uh, it chirps at me. And as it chirps at me, um, I look at my phone and there's a verse. This is a verse that I, I read yesterday. And I thought, actually, by the way, the one that, that I, I shared before we sang, How Great Thou Art This Morning, um, It chirped right before uh, we practiced it, and I read it, and then we started to sing. I thought, man, I need to read that before we sing this morning, because it talked about how great our God is and what he's going to do. This is what I read yesterday, and it fits so well with where we're at today. This comes from Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12. God says, I will punish those who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them. I think about last year, and it's so easy for us to just be okay with what's going on around us. I think about the the filth and the vile nature of our society and our nation, and it's so easy for us to just say, well, that's them, and just kind of go on with it. But God says here, I will punish those who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them. It's not true tell you the truth, being able to get this on my phone is an incredible asset to me because sometimes I get real busy and I'm not focused like I need to. All of a sudden, my phone will chirp and it immediately draws me back because I know I need to get back into God's Word. It reminds me throughout the day. We are called to have a continual spirit of prayer. Well, often when we spend time in God's Word, I know for me it causes me to need to pray even more. Maybe this year what you need to do is to find a way to spend time more time in God's Word. You want that heart of flesh? So take on that heart of flesh. Allow God's Word to mold and shape who you are. It's not going to happen with that heart of stone, but it will happen when we choose to take on a heart of flesh, one that is able to be molded the way God desires it to be. For me, I get up in the morning, come into the office, and before I do anything, I do devotional stuff. Uh, I I read a couple of passages. I, I do some other stuff. I have to be intentional with it. I have to schedule that time. If I don't do that, man, it's so easy for me not to do it. Be intentional so that as you allow God's Word to speak, it won't be random. God will continue to do it all the way through. I encourage you to do so. Allow God to take your heart of stone and to give you a heart of flesh. Along with this, the last thing that I see in this passage is that we are then introduced to a new relationship. The result, according to this passage, is that our relationship with God will once again be what it was intended to be. He says that they will be my people and I Will be their God. This is a great promise that is made. It's not the first time it's made. I referenced earlier in the book of Joshua. Actually, this is the promise that God gave to the Israelites all the way back at the moment that God had promised them that land. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you go all the way back to Exodus when the Israelites were first leaving the, the uh, land of Egypt. God had made that promise over and over again. I, you, they, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's his promise over and over again. Yet here they are and they're having to hear it all over again. I'm telling you, God simply wants us to experience the blessing that he always wanted for us. He wants us to be his people and he wants to be our God. Far too many things have taken the place of God in our lives. Far too many things have been put up on a pedestal to where they are so important to us. And we think that if we didn't have those things, then our lives would be incomplete. Something would be wrong. And God says, that's me. I'm the one thing that you need. I am the one thing that your life is incomplete without. He says, you need me. He says, you will be my people. And I will be your God. He wants so much to have a people that are fully devoted to him, that recognize that they are incomplete without him, but that while he is with them, while he is in them, he becomes their everything. If you really want 2018 to be better than last year, then you should start by seeking the Lord. You need to get rid of the junk that doesn't belong in your life. Again, I I don't know what those things are, but you do. What are the things over the past year that they have really dominated your attention? They are the things that you love. You may even say, well, I don't really love those things. What's the thing that you focused on most this past year? If it is anything other than Jesus Christ, something is wrong and needs to change. It's time to get rid of all the junk, all the idols that don't belong in our lives. And then as we get rid of the junk, we need to repent of our sins. By the way, the term repentance is not merely you admitting that you did something wrong. It's not just the act of confession, although that may be a part of it. Repentance is, I was going this way, and then I chose to repent, which means now I am going this way. It is a turning away. It is choosing not to go the same path you were, but instead to turn and go the opposite direction. For many of us, those things that we have worshipped, those things that we have allowed to become idols... We not only need to destroy those things, but we need to repent, which includes confession to God, but also choosing to seek something else. One of the elements we miss in that sometimes, let me go back to this repentance. It's really, really important. You've been walking this way all along. Repentance doesn't mean merely turning around. Turn around and go forward. For For many of us, we have taught people, you need to turn away from your sin. Man, that's exactly right. We do need to turn away. That's the burning of the idols, destroying those things so we can't go back to them anymore. But we need to do more than just turn to God. We need to run to God. We need to seek Him, not just sit there and kind of be observers. We're not like, I know there's a big football game coming this week, and there are going to be a whole lot more fans out there than there will be participants. Well, the body of Christ, that's not the way it's supposed to be. What we've done is we've said, I don't want to walk this way, so I'm going to turn, and now I'm going to be a fan. Well, God doesn't want fans. God wants participants, those who will be in the game, those who will be seeking Him and pursuing Him. That's what it means to repent. It's not just enough to turn around, but now to go. You want to experience a great 2018 it's time for us to look to God. It's time for us to get rid of the idols. And it's time for us to passionately pursue him as if he is the only thing that can truly satisfy us. And the result, God will give us a new heart and we will be in a right relationship with him. I don't know where year seven two 2017 was, but I know where I want my 2018 to go. I want to seek the Lord with all that I have. And my hope is that you will do the same. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you, we are grateful for your hand of mercy and grace that has been extended to us so many times. But Lord, the one thing we do not want is to become complacent in our sin. To simply be satisfied with this is the way it has been, but rather we want to seek you. Far too many of us have allowed sin to reign within our lives. We've allowed idols to exist in our midst, and they don't belong. So Lord, right now, I pray that you would help us to look to you. I pray that you would help us to truly destroy the idols that do not belong. But I pray that you would give us a heart for you that says, these idols no longer fit with my life. Lord, I pray that as we confess where we have fallen short, that you would help us to turn away, but then also to turn to. Allow us the opportunity, Lord, open up the doors for us that we would be able to run after you. Lord, I pray that you would fill us and that you would use us. I pray that you would take the heart of stone that has existed, that we have Excuse that we have simply accepted as normal and I pray that you would take it away and give us a heart of flesh. Make us people that are genuinely surrendered to you so that you could mold us and shape us into whatever form you desire. what I pray for 2018 to be an incredible blessing for every individual here but let it be because we sought you with all of our hearts. We will give you praise for what you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I do thank you for being a part of the service. I do want to just give one special invite. I know Jerry mentioned it already. I'm very grateful for that. This evening's Family Feud event, it's also an opportunity for the staff to simply say thank you to you. Uh, you as a church throughout the year, you are an incredible blessing to us as staff. And this is our way of saying thanks. We don't want you to bring anything. Don't want you to bring dessert, don't want you to bring drinks, don't want you to bring anything except you. If you want, you can bring a friend with you. We've got plenty. Uh, We are going to have a great time of fellowship, uh, and you're going to have the staff actually serve you tonight. So uh, I hope you'll come and be a part of that. It will be an incredible blessing, and I look forward to being able to fellowship with you again this evening. I hope 2018 is an, an incredible year for you, but let it be because of God's presence in your life. Thank you. Go in peace.